98.7 FM, Arizona's sports station, Weekly Blast. When it comes to hard knocks, Cliff Kingsbury has a hard act to follow because following the Lions' Dan Campbell is like following Heath Ledger as Joker or following Jodie Foster as Clarice Starling. Good luck with that. Seriously, if you've been watching the current hard knocks, you are seriously astounded at how omnipresent Campbell is, how charismatic he is, how inspiring he is to his players, and I, for one, cannot wait to see what Kingsbury is really like behind closed doors to see how his coaching chops stand up and play out behind the scenes to see how much alpha he really brings to the mix. Maybe we'll all be surprised or maybe we'll all be underwhelmed. But there was also a time in Hard Knocks when Campbell's force of personality was a little too much, especially how much emotion he wasted on two preseason games, a victory and a loss, and you can see how that might be exhausting. Wearing thin on a team, especially if things go poorly in the regular season. And that happens to be Kingsbury's strong suit. He is a college coach who is now the industry leader at treating players like professionals, which is great as long as you win, but maybe not if you're creating a television show. All right, today's Bickley Blast brought to you by my great friends at Chapman BMW. Make luxury attainable with two great locations and one great experience. Find them online at ChapmanBMW.com. Yeah, it, it, you bring up a great point, Bick. Uh, it's Detroit Lions football, so it's hard from you know, from the outside if you're not a Lions fan to get mm-hmm. all that invested. But mm-hmm. it's been good. I haven't even seen all of episode three yet. It's, it's um, excellent. The first two episodes were great. But Dan Campbell is a magnetic figure. You want to hear what he says. He says some goofy stuff. He does. He does some goofy things, shaking out the the dust from the pants. I mean, <laughs> that's not something that other coaches do, but he's got philosophies. I think he's got buy-in. Um, the coaching staff that he's put together there is pretty pretty impressive. But you wonder, I mean, I, is there pressure? Do I have to live up to Dan Campbell? I don't know. We've noticed Cliff Kingsbury's been a lot looser this, this preseason. Yes. He's good for about a, a, a great line a day now. Yeah. It's true. Although at the same time, here's here's a couple of things that, that I, I think of right off the bat. We've seen a clip of Cliff King, Klingsbury sitting in an offense uh, uh, in an office and he he looked at that and he saw the clip and he thought he looked like he was in jail. Remember that famous clip? Okay. Yeah. There was a preview at the end of this most latest Hard Knocks where Buddha Baker is working out in the weight room, and the weight room is all just gray and dark. They need some color in that place. They're making it look ominous. They need some better feng shui in there. Buddha talked about it. Oh, the shrugs? Yeah, I think I saw myself. Yeah, those, those, those were one tens, baby. Those were one tens, so it was pretty heavy. That was planned? Uh, you know, they just wanted to just watch me lift, so I was like, all right, man, I'm going to get my lift in. So. It's more than your body weight. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Finally, here's the other thing that I that I'm really curious uh, about. When you see episode three about this, the Lions hard knocks, and the reason I'm bringing it up is that the Cardinals are next on hard knocks. Mm-hmm. Uh, they got this guy named Malcolm Rodriguez. They call him Rodrigo. He's a sixth round draft pick, and he has become the star of camp. He he's one of these guys. He reminds me like of of a Ron Wolfley, of a guy that is just all passion and just all love for the sport of football, and he's just a tackling. 
machine. And they call him Rodrigo, and he might be a starting linebacker on the team, and it's just this great story of this nobody from nowhere taken deep in the draft that is just rocking the core of that camp. I'm curious what we're going to see about players on the Cardinals. I wonder who that guy is going to be. I wonder if we're going to see stuff about Isaiah Simmons that we go, wow, you know? Yeah, that. I wonder if it's DJ Humphreys and his personality. I wonder if it's what a dorch. <laughs> you wonder. I, I'm the more I think about it, the more excited I get because again, it's it's tremendous television. Oh, and it to is. have the inside look. How much did we all love All or Nothing? And that was a recap. We knew how that ended. But to see it almost in real time with with what's going on. And we don't know what the Cardinals are going to be like in November. Are they going to be down the stretch? Is that going to be one of the storylines? Hard Knock shows up week nine to start filming. Are they going to be filming another second half collapse? Will it matter? Will the first half of the season be strong enough right. to consider it a, a second half collapse? Did they get through those first six weeks? Are they going to join them when they're three and five? I, I thought um, there was a fascinating conversation. Paul Calvisi, I think, was one of the first to say that this could have a, a real good effect on the football team because you perform differently for the cameras. And Wolf took great offense to that because Wolf, as a self starter, didn't need any additional motivation. And Paul Calvisi kept telling Wolf, "But you're Wolf, you're different. Most people." People don't bring it every day at work. There's going to be a day in anybody's profession where you don't feel it, where you might mail it in a little bit. For Jared, it's Wednesday. For Jared, it's every day ending in Y. <laughs> so, we need to change the calendar. Right, I exactly. on that one. We need a four-day work week is what we need. We just need a day that doesn't end in Y. So how, how would have this off-season with all this Kyler drama played out had they been filming this? How would this off-season have been different if the, if the car Cardinals were first. If hard knocks, if they were the ones on yeah, now, yeah. would would they have done some of the things they did? This is going to be fascinating because they're going to be dropping in right at the time when when hopefully there's going to be a ton of pressure on this football team to finish the deal. Yeah, and I think that's you know part of the, part of the allure of this new in season hard knocks. Saw it last year. Yeah, Colts were under pressure and they folded under that pressure. They sure did. Yeah. Bix Picks is back for the 2022 NFL season. Text PICK to 620-620 to sign up and compete against Dan Bickley for your chance at the grand prize, which is a 75-inch TV, courtesy of Corona Extra. Weekly winners will receive an NFL jersey of their choice and a $50 gift card to cold beers and cheeseburgers. Just text PICK to 620-620 to enter. Coming up next... A cryptic tweet about a former Arizona Cardinals quarterback? What does it all mean? We'll hit some hash marks next. Bickley and Murata Mornings, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Bickley and Murata. Hash marks. Yeah, there's been a lot of talk, obviously, this preseason about the Cleveland Browns quarterback position. We have some, you know, finality to it. We know that it'll be Jacoby Brissett starting the season at quarterback, unless the Jimmy Garoppolo thing can happen at Cleveland. It doesn't look like it's going to happen uh, because Deshaun Watson's out for the first 11 games. Josh Rosen is in that quarterback room. I said earlier in the week, it looks like the end of the road for Josh Rosen. He went mm-hmm. 7 for 20 in his latest preseason game. Mm-hmm. And if you're going up against vanilla defenses and third and fourth stringers, even though you're throwing to third and fourth stringers, you probably should complete more than 35 
five percent of your yeah, passes. Yeah, you got to be a little better than that. Yeah. Um, this morning, Josina Anderson, still very connected in the NFL, works for CBS uh, HQ Sports HQ. She tweeted out, um, actually it was last night, keep an eye on how things are going with quarterback Josh Rosen in Cleveland, dot, dot, dot. What does that mean? (laughs) Well, yeah, does it mean he's coming up the depth chart, or does it mean he's about ready to be cut? Josh Rosen. Why is she being cryptic about Josh Rosen? If she knows something about Josh Rosen, say it. Yeah, the only thing that was missing from that in, in terms of the cryptic scale was the eyeball emoji. Josh Rosen. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> uh, I will never not laugh at Charlie Casserly there. Oh, he's, yeah, he's the best. <laughs> so so to me, I, yeah, again, it, it's funny because that, that reaction to the Josina Anderson tweet has got a lot of Browns fans like, oh, no, anything but. Josh Rosen. Well, since we're being cryptic, let's draw out some possibilities. Seattle kicking the tires on Josh <laughs> Rosen. <laughs> How fun would that be? Yeah. To get Josh Rosen back in the division. <laughs> he, I, <sighs> what do you think about this, Jared? I know you're a big Josh Rosen fan. I think. Oh, I think. Rosen. Josh Rosen. Josh Rosen. That's what you think. There you go. go. That's what you think. It's funny how he's... The life of a backup or third-string quarterback who was once a high draft pick, it's it's amazing how long that gets extended nowadays, that these guys continue to have opportunity after opportunity when they've shown... What has Josh Rosen shown at all in his career that he keeps getting chances even? Beat Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay. Like, like think of how how quickly, like, Tim Tebow and Johnny Menzel were out of the league compared to like somebody like Josh Rosen who who hasn't done anything as a starter or backup but he's only going into his fifth year well, because I think that they would say that Josh 16. Rosen never really has had a real opportunity. I think that's false. I, I I think maybe it's because there were so many people who thought he was going to be great in the that's NFL. That's the thing. Go back to it. And I'm not picking on Trent Dilfer when I bring this up. But yeah. remember Trent Dilfer's phone call to this radio station oh, the yeah. night of that draft. Trent Dilfer is in the quarterback talent evaluation business. And in that draft, he was convinced that Josh Rosen was the best of the bunch. <laughs> I uh, yes, that's what that's what we call an inexact science. No, that's exactly right. And and you know what? It, I'll tell you what it was. It was from the standpoint that everybody bought into Josh Rosen is so smart, and he's got it all figured out. He's going to be one of these guys that that is just going to succeed in the NFL because he's got great brain power, and. What we found out that there was an alarming lack of athleticism to him. Josh Rosen. Exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah, so uh, we'll, we'll heed the uh, warning of Josina Anderson. We will keep an eye out for what's going on with Josh Rosen in Cleveland. Uh, you mentioned Hard Knocks last segment. Uh, it has been highly entertaining. And, you know, re- you may remember in, in recent years, and, and maybe was it part of All or Nothing? Is it going back that far? Remember when the Cardinals brought in Frank Caliendo to do some comedy to the whole team? It was in the last Vaguely. few years. Yeah. Okay. It was when B.A. was still around because he did his B.A. impression. Uh, the, the Lions did that in episode of uh, episode three of Hard Knocks. They mm-hmm. brought in, the, they call the the king, the Motown king of comedy. His name is Josh Adams. Very funny stuff, but he unloaded on uh, on Dan Campbell, much to the delight of the the, uh, the team. 
like, what's up, man? Man, I've been watching this shit, man. Y'all are like, y'all must see TV, because first of all, the intro is amazing. They got y'all working out and building cars. That is sweet as hell. I'm like, they got them. Now, I ain't no coach with that big damn. We need you on special teams all the coaching, cuz. We need you out there breaking up the wedge, fam. He walked up to me, biggest. Oh, how you doing? I'm like, when did Hulk Hogan start coaching this, fam? What's going on, brother? What's going on, brother? We're gonna run a four-six bear, brother. Get down. We're doing them half up downs. Them last six didn't count. I seen them. That's pretty funny. Uh, then he gave it to a first-round pick, Aiden Hutchinson. Hey, Hutch, what's up, boy? You good? Great. You just look like a big-ass boy band member. What's up with you, man? <laughs> <laughs> just Justin Timberlake coming off the heads. Thank you, honey, lady. Just a big, strong Backstreet Boy. <laughs> Like, bro, I don't think I sacked by Justin Timberlake. Did you see that, cuz? Because when you came up here, did you pick Billy Jean? Is that something you picked that they threw that to you to say? Damn, look at you. I didn't know. Your song selection. A1. Chef's kiss, my boy. I thought you was going to come up on that. Making my way downtown. That's that's good team building stuff right it there. It really is. It was really, really funny to and especially when they started making fun of Dan Campbell and Sue. Uh, so they need to bring in the Bickley and Murata morning show to roast the Cardinals then during the That'd their be fun. On hard yeah, I could imagine Jared on hard knocks. Hey, uh, Cliff Kingsbury, you seen this guy? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Start working on your material, Jared. Okay. Uh, Cardinals might be a little too buttoned up for that. This is one of the most amazing athletic accomplishments I've ever seen. Did you see the footage of Terrell Owens running no. a 40-yard dash? No, I didn't. He's 48 years old. He was clocked running. It was called the Dash of the Titans. Okay. Running against other people. He ran a 4.38. Oh, get out. Second 40-yard dash. Are you serious? At the age of 48. And it was legit timed? That's what they're saying. 4.38? 4.38. I could forty eight years of age. I had a hard time bending over to tie my shoes at age forty, <laughs> and still do for that matter. Wow, that's like that's like legitimate. Hey, what does he have left? Kind of territory. Now he's still a diva. We know this, but how many guys are running four Holy three eight forties right now? Wow, it was I fast. Would, it was a faster forty than he ran at the combine when that, he was twenty-two. I, that's why I'm questioning the timing mechanism and just how official it was. I mean, either way, that's beyond impressive. Wow, <laughs> holy cow! Isn't that nuts? I saw that video. I watched it like three or four times, and it, it looked legit. And he's—I mean, he's a specimen. He always, ha- always has been. No, T.O. back true. to the I'd, I'd, T.O. back to I'd where? Pay to, back I'd to pay the, to watch a 48-year-old receiver. 48-year-old playing for the 49ers? That'd be perfect. Gotta wait for his next birthday right, and exactly. then they make it official. Yeah. Uh, coming up next, Cardinals still in Nashville. How'd the joint practice go with the Titans yesterday? We'll get into some of the aspects of it next. It's Pickley and Murata Mornings, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station.
I, I reached out to him. Yeah, just looking at it. We hadn't done this, and when we decided to not play our starters at all in the preseason, I really wanted to get some of this competition against another team, and um, he was kind enough to let us come out here. You know, they just did it with Tampa, too, but we adjusted the schedule where it wasn't just, like I said, a, a bloodbath out there, and I think we got some good work. Cliff Kingsbury, the head coach of the Arizona Cardinals, on how the joint practice between the Cardinals and the Tennessee Titans came to fruition. They were on the field yesterday. It looked like a mutually beneficial uh, practice session for both teams. Mm-hmm. Now a little a hangout time. Uh, walkthrough on Friday for the Cardinals before the Saturday preseason finale game at Nissan Stadium between the Cardinals and the Titans. But, um, you know, I, I, from what I saw, and I didn't see obviously all the footage, but from what people put out there on video, right. it was a little bit more spirited than we maybe expected it to be after the way it was described going in. I, I think I think it spoke to some of the Cardinals' better players. I think DeAndre Hopkins kind of mm-hmm. used it to flex a little bit, and I think Kyler Murray probably got juiced up by it all. I think what's interesting here is generally when you get these when you get these sort of mixed practices, it's because the coaches involved really want it to happen. And it sounds to me like neither one of these coaches were all into that because you don't put together a trip like this and then go, hey, you know what, let's just do this once. Let's let's it's let's not turn this into a bloodbath. Because we saw what happened earlier with the Patriots and the who do they keep getting into fights with? Uh, it was Carolina. Panthers, yeah, yeah. the Panthers and the Patriots. Patriots. So, and Wolf has kind of hinted at this as well. I, I think what's happening is this is an NFL initiative. I think they're looking down the road and they're saying, "All right, we're gonna we're gonna eliminate one, if not two, preseason games, and we're gonna add a regular season game." So, what do we do to create content that's not exhibition games? during training camp and I think this is their next big thing joint practices with cameras filming all sorts of stuff and I'm not sure Cliff Kingsbury was into it but I but I think this was directed above the coaches I think at a league level I'm not I wouldn't be surprised if almost every team in the NFL did this. I don't know that for a fact, but it just seems like more teams are doing it than ever, and it seems like it's a league initiative to me. It was the first time for the Cardinals in six years, so that had, uh, yeah, it did have some weight to it. Uh, Cliff Kingsbury was also asked, hey, do you want to keep doing these in the the future? Uh, We'll see if it works out logistically. You know, Kansas City has had a ton of success. They never do it, so I think it's how you feel about your team each and every year and and your philosophies, but this this was good work for us. Yeah, but Kansas City also does play some of their starters in the preseason games. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So every team's got their own individual philosophy. Yeah. Uh, and so, so again, so it, so I, I, I'm sure just getting out of the environment that they're that they've been in indoors, I, I, it had to be refreshing. It had to it had to kind of speak to them on some level because because uh, all these guys they come up through Pee Wee High School college football they all they all have experienced the 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 traditional outdoor preparation routine, mm-hmm. and so you get into an environment like in Nashville, and and that must have been cool. Rookie uh, tight end Trey McBride, he was one of the players who spoke to the media yesterday. He commented on his first joint practice as a pro. Yeah, you know, I think the joint practice is very cool. I think it's cool to get a new change of scenery, come out here to Tennessee and and practice against other people. But most importantly, I think it's more of the camaraderie, building the relationships with your teammates, going, you know, a week with your teammates and spending that time in the hotel. 
detail, things like that. Just kind of building that camaraderie with your team and things like that. But it's been great. I think we had a re- really good day today at practice. Yeah, so like we talked about earlier, Bick, with the way the Cardinals uh, logistically handle training camp now, with it being at their stadium, with staying at the team facility optional, you do miss out on that communal aspect, that, oh, yeah. that retreat aspect of training camp. Right. So, you know, five days in, in Nashville leading up to a, a preseason game, as Trey McBride pointed out, uh, that might be one of the, the unsung benefits of doing this, as you do get an opportunity to at least recapture some of that camaraderie time, if you will. Right, and and maybe and maybe that's what's holding the Cardinals back from doing it. This Maybe this is why they make it optional. I hope it's not finances. I hope it's not frugality that's making them do that. Maybe it's because their actual experience, it's not like going away to camp. If you're at the Renaissance Hotel and you're being bussed over on golf courts to the stadium and you're practicing in your own building, it, that doesn't feel, it doesn't hit the same way as, as other training camps do. So, you know, it doesn't matter. I don't know. Yeah. I, I, I don't know if it really matters in the long run of it all, but I, I'm glad it worked for him yesterday. Maybe the bigger news with Trey McBride is his physical condition. He's been slowed during this uh, training camp with a back injury, but he played last week. And Yeah, I'm starting to feel um, much better. I'm getting uh, you know back into uh, in the swing of things and uh, excited for, for where I'm headed. Um, still working on it, but continually getting better every day and, and really uh, you know stressing uh, you know that rehab part and, and making sure I can stay on top of it. Yeah, he was one of the guys that we had you know checked off as this is a guy to watch against the Baltimore Ravens in preseason week two, and he was completely outshined by another rookie tight end on the other side, and Isaiah Likely. But you know, two targets, no catches. Um, he's still high on my list. I want to see you know how much he plays against Tennessee, uh, well, and if they're able to incorporate him a little bit more in the passing game. I, I think Jared brought this up earlier today, and I think he's right on the money that that. He, you hope he starts flashing something soon because if not, it's going to look kind of superfluous given all the needs on defense. That's a second round draft pick. Yeah. I'm just thinking, it seems at a, at, at a position where they have where you're already good. That's what I'm saying because I'm thinking like, well, with Max Williams and with uh, Zach Ertz. Like that seems like that's good enough. It does. Like just, if you had just Zach Ertz, some people would yeah. say that's good enough. Mm-hmm. It seemed weird at the time, it, right. and it seems even weirder now that it's that we're seeing it play out. Well, and we we all kind of gave him a, a mulligan, not a mulligan, but a wait and see approach to it because you know it, it, the skill set, uh, the guy that might be able to be a combination of both. That might be basically Zach Williams. Or Max Ertz, right? It's <laughs> Zach kind of, and Max. Zach and Max. It's kind of like the guy that can catch and run routes and also block and solidify the running game and all that stuff. But a second-round pick when you got all those holes on defense? Eh. So you hope he does do something soon. Yeah, the Cardinals are definitely hoping that, oh, too. Oh, yeah. Uh, the other news from uh, camp, a uh, couple of other things. Cody Ford, the newly acquired guard from the Buffalo Bills, he was out there running with the ones. Cliff Kingsbury talked about uh, his, his new addition to the offensive line. He is, yeah, yeah, big, nasty. Um, obviously, has played at a high level. You know, whether it's college or when he had a chance in, in Buffalo, and so we're excited uh, to be able to come out here and pick enough up to go in there. It was pretty impressive, and we just got to keep spoon feeding him the, the offense and, and get him ready for Week One. Yeah, right now it looks like a pretty prudent move because of all the guards that are banged up. Justin Pugh with the stinger. Will Hernandez has been banged up. Uh, Marquise Hayes out for a couple of weeks. So Cody Ford's going to get some run early. Uh, one player not out there was cornerback Antonio Hamilton, who earlier in camp 
camp had been elevated uh, by Cliff Kingsbury. Hey, he's he's overtaken Marco Wilson on that cornerback depth chart. He wasn't out there. And this is probably the most concerning thing coming out of yesterday. Uh, Kingsbury asked, hey, is there any concerns with Antonio Hamilton? Uh, no, no. He's still being evaluated um, right now. But what's wrong with him? Um, we'll let you know we've won when we have to. Just letting that hang out there just has an ominous It really does. It. Yeah, and again, I don't, I don't know what the purpose of that is because it's not like you have to hide anything from anybody in the short term. You don't, you don't, you don't have a game that counts this weekend. No. So I, I don't understand why there, there's that level of opaqueness to it all. Whatever. It's it's the way they operate. That's the way a lot of operations happen in the NFL these days. Congrats to uh, Michael Fabian from Phoenix. He was our first winner for the brand new Phoenix Suns Nike Classic Edition jersey, celebrating the 30th anniversary of the 92-93 team. We still have more jerseys to give away. Just text JERSEY. J-E-R-S-E-Y to 620-620 for your chance to win. That's Jersey to 620-620. Coming up next, we'll get the latest on the Arizona Diamondbacks as we check in <clears throat> Excuse me, with their president there, and CEO Derek <laughs> Hall. Straight ahead, it's Bickley and Murata Mornings, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Where's my water? 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. I have the high privilege and distinct honor of presenting to you the president. He's the president and CEO of your Arizona Diamondbacks. Derek Hall. The president. Now Thursdays, we get the latest with the Arizona Diamondbacks from president and CEO of the uh, club, Derek Hall, who joins us right now on the Arizona Sports Line. Derek, good morning. How are you? Hello there, Ben. Hi, Vic. Hello, uh, Doing much better till the seventh inning last night, but I'm doing okay. Oh, let's start there. That one that was, was rough. I mean, it's just impossible not to get sucked into what Zach Gallen is doing right now. He has just been amazing. He was on our show last Friday and talked about you know this being the best he's been, and then the complete turnaround in the seventh inning. That was a rough one. Yeah, it was. And, and, you know, a lot of times teams will get a lift when, when they're getting dominated by a pitcher and that pitcher comes out. And, and that's obviously what happened there. It was, ooh, we'll see. We'd rather see anybody than Zach Allen right now. And I think we felt the same way about Singer. They, it was a great pitcher's duel. Uh, to, you know, to split the series is okay, but I, I certainly felt like we were going to get out of there with two wins the way Zach was pitching. All right, so give us the update on when Corbin Carroll, or as Gambo would say, Corbin Carroll! <laughs> <laughs> When's he joining the festivities, Derek? Yeah, Bic, I, I think it's great that, that you're asking and you're focused on him, and, and I think our fans are too, which is cool. We haven't had you know such, such a prospect like that in quite some time. Um, it, it is exciting, and I think he is the, the way he's performing is the reason why we're asking. You know, and it, yeah. he fits in perfectly with this young, energetic style that we're seeing from this team. And you know, he can play the corners, he can play center field. He's going to be a nice fit, and it's getting closer and closer. I mean, he he went through Double A in a hurry. He got to Triple and he struggled for all of five to seven days and then made the adjustment and tore it up and he's you know hitting 300 and, and multi-hit games and extra base hits and and just a, a tremendous player both offensively and de- defensively I, I think I, like I said last time to you guys he's he's going to make his way to this big league roster and it, it's it's going to happen soon and Jordan Lawler getting uh, promoted to double a made his debut last night he's he's not far off the radar uh, either is he 
No, he's unbelievable. You know, he's so he's so young and talented, and having the, the both of these guys had the shoulder issue last year, and how they bounced back so quickly. Uh, Lawler's outstanding. I mean, this guy is uh, he's a tremendous offensive player, and, and to to be that premier player at shortstop position gives us a great deal of depth there. All right, a couple items of heavy lifting, D, if you don't mind. There was a, a recent column by my ex- former colleague Ken Summers, uh, sort of issuing or outlining some of the issues with Chase Field recently. And we we all know this. The building's almost 25 years of age and it hasn't exactly yeah. aged well. You made it very clear that, that you guys need to get moving on a long-term solution. Can you update us on that? Sure. Yeah, and we do need to, um, obviously, because, you know, it's either invest heavily into the building that we're in now or, or go somewhere else here locally in a, in a you know new, new ballpark. And so with the last three years, pandemic, economy, we just have not been looking. So, you know, I, I think that the quote for me was kick it into high gear, yeah. you know, and that's, that's certainly where we are. Um, that building is old and, you know, that's no excuse. Um, but we've had some major issues this year, like we've talked about on the show with the roof, with the door panels once. Um, we've had these, you know, light bulb obsolescent issues for years. So it, it's what's best for the fans, what's best for the experience. We're always going to pump millions each year into that building. Um, but when you have a huge problem like the roof, I mean, that's not a quick fix. You know, that's going to take months. So you can't bring in cranes. You can't start working on it because you've got a baseball season and a schedule. And then you've got non-baseball events and concerts. So we're going to have to get really, uh, you know, strategic there and figuring out how exactly to address some of those issues so that we can keep it as, as nice as possible from the day it opened. And I, and I think we've done a nice job of it, but a lot of times it's Band-Aids, you know, and, and um, we, like I said, we'll continue to invest. You know, even if we have a possibility of, of moving into a new ballpark somewhere, we're not there. But if we do, you're still looking at, you know, three, four years of construction. So we still have to address all those needs at the ballpark, and that's on us. Um, you know, we don't have a, a municipality that can throw 200, 250 into, into the building. So that's always going to be a responsibility of ours. I, I'm curious about this because I really genuinely don't know. And some of these mistakes you, you guys in the current regime have had nothing to do with. The size of the ballpark, that was clearly an error and overestimation. Nothing to do with you guys. I, the retractable roof, you obviously need one. And it, it's not great for a summertime sport. Has, has technology changed in terms of retractable roofs where they're not as cumbersome, where they're maybe a little more translucent? Update me on that, if you will. It has. I, I think they would be certainly from a speed standpoint, Vic. I think you know you can open and close the roof a lot quicker than 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 we did say 25 years ago. And still, five minutes isn't bad, and that's that's typically what it's been. Um, but there's different ways to do it. If you go and you look at what how Minute Maid opens or how Miami opens or Seattle, they're different than ours. So technology definitely has changed, and and that's throughout the ballpark. But the other thing that's really changed, um, and you said it, capacity has changed. Where it was you know, the, the Rockies and and the D-backs decided back then, ooh, let's go for as close to 50,000 as we can mm-hmm. and try and pack the place. Uh, I think it's pretty clear now that you're seeing 35, you know, is kind of a, a normal number with new ballparks. And there's a lot of premium areas throughout ballparks, whereas now, you know, our ballpark just doesn't have those premium areas. So if we were going to address everything at our ballpark, you'd be looking at capacity. You'd be looking at bringing in new premium areas and having more um, different technology when it comes to scoreboards. And, and you know, the out-of-town 
scoreboards, which I've always loved those. I think they're, they're a great feature at our ballpark. But we've had half the fans saying, hey, you know, the light bulbs don't work most of the time. Get rid of it. Put something else there. And then we have other, you know, saying we want it to stay there. Um, and as Kent pointed out, if you want to check out a town scoreboard, you could probably look at your phone. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> right? That right, is but, true. But because technology has changed for the fans. Yeah. Right? I mean, so many fans are looking at their phone now to see highlights, to see scores. What do we need? You know, I think that's going to continue to change. <laughs> it's interesting. Derek Hall, president and CEO of the Diamondbacks, our guest here on Bickley and Murata Mornings. I think fans were happy in the offseason that the investment that the team made roster-wise was really the back end of the bullpen, bringing in uh, Ian Kennedy and Mark Melanson, guys who had had a lot of success recently. Yet, if you look at the reason why maybe the D-backs are on the outside looking into the wild card chase right now, it's been the back end of the bullpen. How surprising has that been for you to watch, Derek? It's been surprising, yeah. And, and you're right, Vince. I mean, if we take away the losses or blown saves, uh, we are. We are in the thick of it, which is which is incredible. Just the turnaround from, from last year to this year with, with a lot of use. Um, but when you have starters who have been performing very well, as our guys have, really all year. I mean, you look at Zach Davies, you look at Merrill Kelly, you look at, you know, uh, of course, Zach Gallen. These guys have, have pitched very well, yet they don't exactly go complete game seven, eight. And when you have that, you're going to put a lot of strain on your bullpen, whether it's, you know, the, the long relievers, the guys that are coming in in the seventh or eighth, or even our guys that are coming in to close because they're being used so much. And, and I think we're seeing the wear and tear on a bullpen. Most clubs go through that, uh, but we've also had a lot of injuries. We're going to get some of those guys back, um, you know, the Middleton and, and Caleb Smith. We haven't seen those guys in a while. So yeah. when we get our bullpen back looking like it was earlier when we were doing so well, I think we'll see different results but we certainly expect more to answer your question at the back end of that bullpen and that was the investment because we had so much difficulty last year especially at the end of games you know after a few trying seasons i think diamondbacks fans are very optimistic at the light we all see in front of us with this youth movement and and what mike hazen's been able to kind of create here uh which is why it was surprising to read a bob nightingale piece the other day that kind of put tori lavello's contract status you know under in the crosshairs once again he had a line in there that the front office recommended a contract extension for Tory, but the ownership decided now is not the time on that. Can you offer any clarity on the future of your manager? Yeah, Vic, I'm not, I'm not sure where that came from, to be completely honest with you. Um, and, and Mike and I talk you know, all the time about uh, about future of, of scouts, future of coaches, future of Tory. You know, I, I've said to you guys over and over, I'm a, I'm a big Tory fan, and obviously Mike is too. They have that history. And Tory and his coach staff have done a tremendous job. We made changes with the coaching staff in the offseason. I think they've proven to be impactful changes. Um, but, you know, you, you obviously at the end of this year, we're going to have a decision to make. And, you know, this is a it, it's a tough time for this ball club because the schedule is so tough. So you don't want to say, oh, it's going to come down to this final month. That's not the case at all. I mean, we, we've enjoyed what Tori has done, especially this year. And it's a decision that we'll make at the end of the year on, on his future. But I'll tell you this, and you guys, you, you guys know this. The great thing about Tori Lovello is he doesn't care, right? He's not worrying about it. It doesn't impact anything he does. He's not insecure. He doesn't bring it up. And, and I love that he's just a total pro and goes out there and continues to do his job and, and wants this team to get better and better. And we've seen those results. 
Derek, as always, thanks for the uh, candor, the insight. Appreciate it. We'll talk to you next week. You bet, guys. Appreciate you. Thank you. Derek Holtz, president and uh, CEO of the Arizona Diamondbacks, joins us on Thursdays. He joined us on the Arizona Sports Line. Coming up next, we hit the 9 o'clock hour. We'll dive into social media, social studies with Sarah Cazell. Next, it's Bickley and Murata Mornings, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station.